that declared him a success. We are proud of him. He will do us honour at Sunnington. He had seen the beginning of the letter to his mother, and the boys had showered presents on him, declaring he was brave. A great mistake. He wasn't brave. He was afraid of the dark. But no one knew this. Well, what did Mr. Abrahams say? repeated Mr. Ducey when they reached the sands. A long talk threatened, and the boy wished he was up on the cliff with his friends, but he knew that wishing is useless when boy meets man. Mr. Abrams told me to copy my father, sir. Anything else? I'm never to do anything I should be ashamed to have mother see me do. No one can go wrong then, and the public school will be very different from this. Did Mr. Abrahams say how? All kinds of difficulties, more like the world. Did he tell you what the world is like? No. Did you ask him? No, sir. That wasn't very sensible of you, Hall. Clear things up. Mr. Abrahams and I are here to answer your questions. What do you suppose the world, the world of grown-up people, is like? I can't tell. I'm a boy, he said very sincerely. Are they very treacherous, sir? Mr. Ducey was amused and asked him what examples of treachery he had seen. He replied that grown-up people would not be unkind to boys, but were they not always cheating one another? Losing his schoolboy manner, he began to talk like a child, and became fanciful and amusing. Mr. Ducey lay down on the sand to listen to him, lit his pipe, and looked up to the sky. The little watering-place where they lived was now far behind, the rest of the school away in front. The day was grey and windless, with little distinction between clouds and sun. "'You live with your mother, don't you?' he interrupted, seeing that the boy had gained confidence. "'Yes, sir.' "'Have you any elder brothers?' "'No, sir, only Ada and Kitty.' "'Any uncles?' "'No.' "'So you don't know many men?' "'Mother keeps a coachman and George in the garden, but of course you mean gentlemen.' Mother has three maidservants to look after the house, but they are so idle that they will not mend Ada's stockings. Ada is my eldest little sister. How old are you? Fourteen and three quarters. Well, you're an ignorant little beggar. They laughed. After a pause, he said, When I was your age, my father told me something that proved very useful and helped me a good deal. This was untrue. His father had never told him anything, but he needed a prelude to what he was going to say. Did he, sir? Shall I tell you what it was? Please, sir. I am going to talk to you for a few moments as if I were your father, Morris. I shall call you by your real name. Then, very simply and kindly, he approached the mystery of sex. He spoke of male and female, created by God in the beginning in order that the earth might be peopled, and of the period when the male and female received their powers. You are just becoming a man now, Morris. That is why I am telling you about this. It is not a thing that your mother can tell you, and you should not mention it to her, nor to any lady. And if at your next school boys mention it to you, just shut them up. Tell them you know. Have you heard about it before? No, sir. Not a word? No, sir. Still smoking his pipe, Mr. Ducey got up, and choosing a smooth piece of sand, drew diagrams upon it with his walking stick. This will make it easier, he said to the boy, who watched dully. It bore no relation to his experiences. He was attentive, as was natural when he was the only one in the class, and he knew that the subject was serious and related to his own body, but he could not himself relate it. It fell to pieces as soon as Mr. Ducey put it together, like an impossible sum. In vain he tried. 
his torpid brain would not awake. Puberty was there, but not intelligence, and manhood was stealing on him as it always must in a trance. Useless to break in upon that trance. Useless to describe it, however scientifically and sympathetically. The boy assents and is dragged back into sleep, not to be enticed there before his hour. Mr. Ducey, whatever his science, was sympathetic. Indeed, he was too sympathetic. He attributed cultivated feelings to Morris, and did not realize that he must either understand nothing or be overwhelmed. All this is rather a bother, he said, but one must get it over, one mustn't make a mystery of it. Then come the great things, love, life. He was fluent, having talked to boys in this way before, and he knew that